myself, my name is O, O, H to the O, V, I used to move snowflakes by the O, C, I guess even back then you could call me, CEO of the R, O, C, O, fresh out the frying pan into the fire, I beat up, music man's number one supplier, flying in a piece of paper bearing my name, got the hottest chick in the game, wearing my chain, that's right, O, O, not D, O, C, but similar to the letters, no one can do it better, you can blame Sean, Play it day one with Game Pass. Francesco Airborne, Simon Pagano I see in the wall, his teammate Elio Castro Neves, sideways, huge accident down the track is blocked. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a red flag here. And then you see there the black car, that's Santino Ferrucci into the back of Elio Castro Neves, Devlin DiFrancesco goes around, Stingray Rob swerves and hits Pagano. Wow, I have never seen anything like that, Townsend. Let's try for the second time. Here we go. The Firestone Grand Prix is underway. A little bit of oversteered wheel spin from Colin Herta coming at, off the last corner. So a great jump from Romain Grosjean as they all seem to be pretty much in line. It's Marcus Armstrong looking at the inside of Alexander Rossi but unable to make the pass. And there's a caution on the racetrack. This will give Dixon a bit of an advantage putting on those alternate tires, guys. And this might wind up being a caution. Here's Kyle Kirkwood in the pink car for AutoNation on the inside of Connor Daly. Tagged the back of the Bitnile Chevy. And that's the cause for this most recent full course caution. 
great jump, big wiggle from Scott McLaughlin on the power save for Pato Award. He's already defending for Marcus Erickson. Erickson saying, no, I'm going to stay on the clean side of the racetrack. All right, here you go. Defending winner wants to win again, but Romain Grosjean in that yellow and red DHL Honda wants to win for the first time. Alexander Rossi on his old teammate, Colton Herter, around the outside. You've got it. No, you don't. Herter fights back. Oh. Colton Herter. Oh, we're just we oh. have a car up and over. Kyle Kirkwood's involved. That looks like Jack Harvey as well. Renis VK in the tires. Huge accident. Yellow flag is out. That's the ah. second. You're right, you're right. Second car airborne. Second fully airborne car. Kyle Kirkwood cleared a tabletop. Scott McLaughlin in a Dex Imaging Chevy leads the way over Romain Grosjean. There's the green, let's go. Turn one is a key spot at this track. Dixon has already popped out, trying to get ahead of his teammate. Looking back, Scott Dixon in that orange and blue PNC car has a run on his teammate, Erickson in the red and white, but Erickson tries to defend. Dixon having none of that. And Will Power is looking on. Graham Rahal in the United Rebels oh. car. Great escape. That was closer than you definitely want. As we ride on board with the United Reynolds on board of Graham Rahal. Man, that was nearly oh, no. Did exactly what we saw Renus VK do down. Oh no, that's past turn four. That's turn eight. Way. This is Colton's onboard. Watch how late he decides to try to go around Will Power. So Will Power, the car on your right in front, gets pushed wide by Marcus Erickson. He's offline now. Colton Hurts oh, contact. Power left front into Colton's right rear as Colton was forcing the issue on the outside. Into the second half of this Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Let's go, McLaughlin at the front. The yellow and red DHL Honda is Romain Grosjean. Here comes Pato Award on the inside. Not quite close enough. Dixon's close to Award. Here comes Alex Pillow on the inside. All slipping and sliding, but gathers control. Turn one, look at the yellow car. There's McLaughlin on the right. They're at speed. They may come together. Whoa! McLaughlin holds the lead. But there's no way I think he'll be able to hold them off on cold tires. Grosjean goes to the outside on hot tires and on the preferred line. Is it possible? No, it's not. Contact. And both of them crashing. And Award goes through. Puddle Award to the front. That was the move for the race win in both of their minds. And it came down to a simple game for chicken. Who's going to break first? Who's going to give an inch? The answer? And Pato Award of Arrow McLaren leads this field, leads Ericsson Dixon and his new teammate Alexander Rossi into turn one. Top five are spread out, but it was all kinds of confusion at the back as somebody got really squirrely off the final corner and stacked up positions five through 12. Not done yet. Pato Award could win at St. Peter. Okay, oh, problem. Is something wrong with him? He Erickson a, to the lead. He had a huge slide coming off the corner. He must have had a misshift. Maybe there was an overboost. That's an engine situation that temporarily limits power. And the lead now has gone to Marcus oh, Erickson. Well, he drove like we have never seen him drive to win the Indianapolis 500 last May. And now Marcus Erickson in the Husky Chocolate Honda is a winner again. But this time on the streets of St. Petersburg, delivers Chip Ganassi the first victory of a new season in the most eventful race. What a drive from Marcus Erickson, who wins at St. Pete. Just the second win ever for Chip Ganassi racing here in the streets of St. Pete. And Marcus does it once again.
So impressive last year. Now he wins race number one of 2023. Watch the PPG 375 Sunday, April 2nd at noon on NBC. Hey, race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program brought to you by Sinister One Productions. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk talk over this uh, past weekend of racing where we had, uh, you know, all the all three of the major series in action. Joining me today, I've got Levi and Richard Uden. Fellas, how we doing? Hey, how's it going? Evening, evening. All right, so before we get started, I want to once again thank uh, Forza Motorsport. Uh, for uh, sponsoring us. I uh, hope that you will look for that game coming on Xbox soon. Uh, if, uh, if you're into that sort of gaming thing, that is a very realistic look at the simulation. But uh, so let's talk about this past weekend, right? We just uh, showed you the highlights from the IndyCar race, which uh, of the three major races this weekend, that was probably the most interesting and exciting one, the one with the most going on for sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was... Uh, Marcus Erickson winning, which it, it always seems like uh, whenever it's a very eventful race, um, <laughs> you know, we're talking about a red flag in Detroit a while back, red flag in Nashville a while back, an Indy 500 where uh, Scott Dixon <laughs> uh, blew the blew the lead with a pit stop penalty. And Erickson has always been there to pick up the pieces, which just shows you. And this is his fourth career win. Um, and uh he just, uh, Chip Ganassi says the guy just gets better and better. And, and Richard, you and I have talked about Erickson when he first joined the series. Yeah. And we both kind of think very highly of him. But, uh, I mean, here's a guy who knows how to stay out of trouble. And he's, yeah. I mean, in order to pick up the pieces, you need to be there at the end of the race. But here he is early. He did, uh, all, he did keep all four wheels on the ground this time and get the win. This time he did. Which is yep, more than he yep. did in Nashville. Which is more than some <laughs> of the other guys did in this race. Yes. yes. So let's talk about uh, the Andretti team, right? They Those cars were flying and qualifying. Uh, then they were flying during the race, but it was a different type of flight they took. So, uh, but uh, very, um, we can start off great for the Andretti team. They uh, led all the practice sessions. Grosjean won the pole, but it seemed like each and every one of their guys, save for, um, oh, one of them made it to the finish. I forget which one. But uh, all other guys ran into trouble. Uh, some of them ran into big trouble. Two of them ended up airborne, um, and so they so they they walk they walk away rather empty-handed after a great um, qualifying and and a showing there. Um, and most of the stuff was not their fault. the uh, The very opening lap, we saw uh, a chain reaction crash. That looks, if you ask me, started by Scott Dixon. But uh, Dixon fans will vehemently deny that, and they—they they, some people say maybe Felix Rosenqvist, but uh, certainly started with those two, and then the the field just bottled up behind them, took both shank cars out, uh, Devil D. Francesco in the Andretti car, uh, and then Benjamin Peterson in the Foyt car uh, at the tail end of the thing, just kind of just plowed right in there. Um, I, I don't know if he lifted. Or if he just didn't have any time to react, that's uh, that's up in the air. Richard and I were disagreeing about that, but he certainly he drove right underneath De Francesco, launched his car up in the air. Um, but and if you saw any of the uh, kind of pulse race stuff with the the close up photographs of uh, 
Peterson's car, you can see that arrow screen really held up uh, when he went right underneath another guy. So, yeah. So now, Lee, you don't watch a lot of IndyCar racing, but you tuned in this week. And, 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 and uh, I mean, tell, tell our, tell our viewers what you told me. So I, I, I woke up from my nap, from, my nap from NASCAR. Cause that, that, that race just put me to sleep this weekend. <laughs> so I said, Oh, the, the, the Indy race is on. Let me switch over to that. And I, so I caught the start of it and not even the first lap. We got, we got a rodeo and a yard sale going on. We got cars flying all over the place. There's, there's debris everywhere. And I was like, this is going to be great. And I stuck with the whole race. And then we had another rodeo later on in the race and some more yard sale stuff. Like, I, I think you got me hooked. I mean, I'm on this IndyCar bandwagon. I'm in it. This is, this is <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. St. <laughs> Pete did not disappoint in the rodeo circuit this weekend at all. Yeah, so, well, not yeah. A, yeah, not all the races are quite that eventful or, or quite that <laughs> chaotic, but uh, we certainly have a few that are. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you look at the podium there, you've got um, Dixon, who kind of started the uh, wreck at the yep. start there, ended up unscathed, finished on a podium, finished third, second place, pot of award, uh, who is, he's my pick for the champion this year. So good start for him. Uh, and again, Erickson is your winner there. But, uh uh, you know, some of your other favorites there, Grosjean and McLaughlin, those are two guys who were kind of dicing up at the front and got into one another um, after the race. And it really kind of falls on McLaughlin there. But uh, these two guys are great friends. And, they, you know, there's a big deal made about the two of them getting together and having a little man-to-man talk about it, sharing a hug and, uh, you know, letting bygones be bygone there. So, um, you know, it's nice to see that kind of sportsmanship. Uh, in the in the sport there, uh, although you know sometimes rivalries make ratings, but uh, yeah, it's just nice to see those two guys trying to uh, uh, you know uh, forgive and forget. Um, and again, you know, another fast car, Colton Herta, end up in the wall. Uh, I mean, a lot of guys. I think only twelve. The hands cars. of another Penske car as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Will Power. Will Power got into uh, so. Uh, but the surprising thing, I guess, at the end of the day, is that. Uh, well, the Penske cars were kind of nowhere all weekend. I mean, they weren't really nowhere, but they certainly weren't at the front. And this is by their standards, anyway. By their standards, yeah. But uh, you know, St. Pete is typically a Penske track. They've they've ruled there. You know, they've won most of the races there. So, uh, yeah. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see how the season plays out. But all the guys we expected to be strong were strong. It's just a lot of them didn't make it to the finish. Uh, but uh, again, uh, you know, Erickson. You know, we we were. I was a little, you know, thinking Ganassi was a little quiet in the off season, but uh, you know, Erickson was there when it counted, and um, Alex Palou had a good finish as well, and Scott Dixon on the podium. So, but that, that that whole race sums up to me, you know, having you know following IndyCar for the last ten years. I said that that's the whole sort of Scott Dixon mentality, and and Marx is obviously picking that up on. You know, not having the best car, being there at the end, picking up podium, picking up wins, picking mm-hmm. up the, you know, because you got to remember, it was three laps from the end. Pado Award was the leading, and then he had um, uh, an engine not not misfire. I think it was, you know, he, he got a little bit loose coming off the uh, exit of the final corner there, and the engine sort of wasn't very happy and, and cut out for a brief moment there and uh you know he lost the lead he would have won that race i think if it hadn't been for that incident so yeah. you know again this is pure ganassi 
you know, just just being there at the end, picking up the pieces and and taking home that win. And uh, you know, Andretti can can you know that's you know we've spoken about this on, in the past on the show. You know, that's my that's my criticism of of Andretti to a certain extent, especially Colin Herder. And it wasn't his fault this time, but you know, the number of times when he crashed out of races where he would have won more races, maybe even a championship in there, if he just learned to be a little bit more disciplined and follow that sort of, you know, Ganassi Dixon mentality. I mean, Dixon's won six of these titles. He's a pretty good guy to learn from. Yeah, yeah, uh, plus fifty-two races, right? So, yeah. yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't really argue with those numbers here when we're talking about Dixon. Yeah, he's certainly, certainly. Uh, I mean, a lot of people like to compare him to uh, Al Unser Senior, who, who was kind of the same way. Took care of his equipment there at the end, and that's yeah. the comparison that was made between uh, Big Al and Mario. You know, Mario was balls out, and he probably, <clears throat> you know, wrecked a lot. Of, and here we are again talking about uh, Andretti. <laughs> So um, he was yeah, not so, a happy camper. I they when when his fourth car went out, they they cut to him in the pit box, and he was mad. Yeah, like, he, was, was, he was. That was typical Andretti. Yeah, he was <laughs> adding up adding up the damage. Oh yeah, he was like, <laughs> "How am I going to pay for this one this week? This is tough." Yeah, and he's still going to find six hundred million to get into Formula oh. One, so yeah. it'll be okay. Yeah. 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 So what happens when it when he gets to Formula One and the car the value of the car goes <laughs> you know ten times up and he oh, loses yeah. two exactly. cars? He's going to yeah. be a wreck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he'll have more more gray hair than he does now. Yeah. So, <laughs> but overall, uh, you know, me being a, a longtime um, fan of Michael Andretti, it is good to see his team come into this race weekend with some speed because it seemed like the last couple of years they've been they've been a little bit lost. You know, yeah. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, the other, I guess, compelling issue coming out of St. Pete was uh, this tire degradation. It seemed like the Reds were fine if you were in clean air, uh, or the, the, well, greens. the greens, the greens, rather the greens, greens. yeah, the Guali tires, yeah. But they seemed <laughs> to really, uh, <laughs> really just kind of, you know, if, if you weren't that clean air, th- there was not a lot you could do with them, and you had guys begging to. Bad, like Colton Hurd was begging the pit, and they're like, "No, you got to, got to make that fuel number, got to make that fuel number." But then, you know, they'll learn, they'll learn, they'll learn. Yeah, I mean, you'll, I mean, it's, you know, the the alternate tires is always worn faster than the other, and it's just is a common common problem in any car. Uh, well, not that it's a problem; it's just it's a strategy call. You got yeah, to, yeah, I mean, yeah, shorten up your shorten up everybody. your shit on the alternates. Yeah, so, but uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed the race. Um, yeah, TV, TV ratings were decent. They, uh, uh, you know, they still fell third behind Formula One and uh, and um, NASCAR. NASCAR and Formula One were one and two. Uh, but yeah, so Lee, what were your other impressions coming out of uh, St. Pete? I, I overall, I mean, it had a lot of excitement. Like I said, there was rodeos and yard sales. It seemed like it almost every lap which is an exaggeration because there really wasn't, but it was, it was very exciting. And for a first race, I thought it was, uh, you know, it definitely attention. Uh, you know, I'm anxious to see where the rest of the season goes. I'm looking, I, I thought award. And when McLaughlin crashed, I was like, Oh, awards got this one. He's, he, he just has to sit there and just, you know, stay in clean air, not, not do anything dangerous. And then he had that, that, difficulty and that the mechanical difficulty electrical whatever you want to call it and that i just i felt heartbroken for the guy because he did it was 
his race yeah. to lose, and uh, on a and he lost it. <laughs> yeah, and he lost it. But it was—I yeah. don't think it was a fault of his own. Like he didn't crash. No. He, he wasn't. He—he he was doing everything right. He was just cruising. He was sitting back in the lazy boy, and then the you know yeah. the, the gas went out from underneath him. And I—I I did. I felt heartbroken for the guy because I mean, like he did. It was. It was really his race to lose, and unfortunately, he did. And um, like you said, uh, you know, Ganassi was there to pick up the pieces. You don't always have to be the fastest guy or fastest team in the bunch. All that matters is you you made it through all the all the you know all the mess haps and and your your equipment's still going at the end and that, that you know that's what happened with Ganassi and um yeah I mean I'm I'm definitely hooked I set the the DVR midway through midway <laughs> on a on a commercial break in, in the in the indie race and I I got the rest of the seasons hitting the record button so uh, I'm looking forward to to this thanks for the. Thanks for putting on the rose glasses for this one. I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We it was got, all for uh... you, that show. Yeah. Next <laughs> week's going to be boring. They knew you were uh, watching and they yeah. made an effort. And next week, forget it. <laughs> uh, we got, uh, yeah, as typical with IndyCar, we got a couple weeks off before we're at uh, Long Beach. Yep. Long, Long Beach is always a good one. That's, you know, yep. one, of the, one of the classic races on the schedule. One, you know, it's probably the next to Indianapolis is the, you know, probably the most prestigious race on their schedule. So we'll be yep. heading there, heading there in a couple Don't of weeks. Don't crush into so. the fountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting to see some of these guys that are starting out behind the eight ball. You figure both Meyer shank cars didn't complete lap one. So we didn't see what they were made of. I mean, Simon was actually fairly impressive in qualifying compared to where they were last year. Um, and Elio is, you know, he was he was starting near the back as he's kind of it's kind of funny. Last year, Elio was uh, both the shank cars had struggles, but Elio was uh, behind Simon. But uh, Simon actually was, you know, kind of closer to the top of the leaderboards through some of qualifying or uh, some of the practice. But uh, he didn't get the starting position he wanted and end up caught up in that first lap stuff. Um, Joseph Newgarden, another guy who got him to win a championship, you know, uh, mechanical took him out of the race. Uh, willpower guy wanted to defend his championship, take it out of the race, took himself out of the race. Yeah, he took himself took out of the race there. Himself yeah, he out took and, himself and out. Took, yep. took Colton Hurt along with him. So, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how these guys are going to, you know, kind of calm down and, uh, try to reel back in them points. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's not a really long season in IndyCar with you. <laughs> You know, like when you talk about uh, Formula One or talk about NASCAR, it's, well, it's a long season. Now, IndyCar, not so much, you know. Uh, you got 16 or 17 races, and the double points for the 500 are gone. So you've got are to – uh, Yes. Oh, thank you. I've been uh, – I know. You've been – yeah, you, yeah, you're, you're not a – hate of mine. Yeah, you're not a fan of the double points uh, anywhere. No. So, yeah, they uh, they are gone for this. They, <laughs> they do still have the – qualifying points which i find odd but uh, uh you know the fact that the uh, you know the 500 they have a whole separate race weekend just yeah. for qualifying so you know give those guys a couple points there why not so but yeah richard any any thoughts uh of yours coming out there would you who do you, who you kind of like uh, after after watching this because you got you gotta say even though mclaughlin didn't get to finish still look pretty darn yeah. good award pretty darn good 
But it was um, the usual suspects, wasn't it? You know. Yes. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, McLaughlin. I think is going to be a. I wouldn't surprise me if McLaughlin is not the lead. Um, excuse me, lead lead driver at Penske this year. You know, he's really stepped up and. You know, he's had a couple of, you know, his first year was, okay, learning. Second, last year, he, he really started to, you know, contend on a regular basis. And I think this year is the year when he needs to step up and, and really start to push himself. And I think, you know, obviously, being in the Penske organization, you've got that, you know, as a uh, given, yeah. that they've got the tools and the resources. Um, you know, he's got a new race engineer who, who wow. I actually worked with in the past. Great guy. So, they'll have a good... Um, Good camaraderie there. He's he's from Australia as well, so they'll have a pretty good setup there on the uh, engineering side. And uh, yeah, I think they'll look good. Um, you know, Grosjean looked good. You know, Grosjean looked. You know, he got pole. He he led away from the start well. Um, you know, it's just that pit stop sequence and, and getting out behind McLaughlin, which caught him out. You know, he'd got out ahead of McLaughlin there. Um, he, I firmly believe, he would have driven off and won that race, which. You know, again, Grosjean's in his second or third year now, and he's got to start. He's got to stop having these, you know, uh, weekends where he's nondescript. You know, he's got to be competitive every weekend, and uh, you know, he's one for one on that. You know, he just unfortunately didn't get the result potentially deserved, and uh, you know, uh, but then you look at Ganassi, and they're just doing what they do. They're picking up points when they need. You know. you look at McLaren, who are probably going to be up there. They had they had glimpses of pace, but you know that race probably fell into Paro Award's lap if he hadn't had the issue. So you know they need to show a bit more raw pace. But then it's disappointing yeah. from teams like um, Rahal, Ladderman, Lanigan Racing. You know you expect more from them. I don't know if it's the driver lineup. I don't know what you guys think about that, but they're just not there. You know they're making this big thing about the new shop they've built outside of Indianapolis and. I know they're recruited pretty heavily on the engineering side. They've got some XF1 technical director in there. I can't remember who that is off the top of my head. But they pumped a lot of money into it, and it was, eh, you know. Yeah, Rayal was out to lunch all weekend. Yeah. And, and for the most part, last year, they were out to lunch. And the same with the Ed Carpenter team as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Ed Carpenter team seems out to lunch. But you know who looks pretty good moving up in the world? Yuko's team. Yeah, Cal Milot was there, wasn't it? Cal Milot was right there, was, and and Canapino was. Ah, I want to say he he made it into the sixth or seventh. If I'm yeah, not that's the best finish, isn't it? I think. I, I believe so. Yeah, but uh, yeah. and then Canapino was pretty good all weekend for his first race. You know, nothing spectacular. He didn't challenge for the lead or anything, but he uh, uh, he he was in the top half of the field. You know, rather than the bottom half with the uh, you know the carpenters and the rails of the world. So. Yeah, so it's uh, very, very encouraging for them. And, and again, Ricardo Yunkos is a guy I really like, you know, mm-hmm. as, a, as a person and as a, as a businessman. You know, he's done such a good job in the junior teams and whatnot. And, you know, and again, here's a guy who's uh, you know, proud of his country and proud of where, where he's from and proud of the folks that work for him. And he's just, you know, he's, he, he puts himself out there as a, just a real genuine person, which I think is uh, refreshing and, you know, some in today's business world now and again. And, you know, you know, Mike Shank's a bit the same way too. You know, Mike Shank puts himself out there as just a uh, pretty good dude there. So, but speaking of Mike Shank, since we need to uh, kind of move, move off of IndyCar, but let's talk about 
owe the penalties that were announced today for the Rolex 24, which was five weeks ago. Yeah. Um, where Shank won the race there. Yeah. Uh, they still won the race. So they still, yeah, they're letting them keep the win. Unfortunately, they're not letting them keep the points. All the money. You know, or the money. Yeah, you got to pay that money back. <laughs> yeah, prize, yeah, your prize and money check bounce. Yeah, so, yeah. um, yeah, so Richard, take us through that a little bit. You, uh, you read up on it some. It's, uh, has to do with manipulating the tire pressures or the tire pressure data. Uh, I'm yeah, not sure so, it was the pressures themselves or just the data. So, I, I, I don't, I didn't get the full, yeah. but from, from my understanding, each team has to present data to IMSA. Uh, show uh, pressures, tire pressures throughout the race. Now, the tire pressures are tightly controlled by Michelin uh, within a you know a band of a, a pressure range, cold and hot pressures. Because you know the these things fail at 180 miles an hour on the banking at Daytona. You've got a pretty big mess on your hands. So they are critical values, and we've seen that in Formula One. We see it in in NASCAR to a certain extent. I mean, NASCAR don't have your conventional TPMS, but um, a tire pressure monitoring system. Uh, you know, Formula One, IndyCar, um, IMSA, they all have these, you know, high-tech uh, method of monitoring tyre pressures. And at the end of the race, the teams present the data to IMSA to say, look, this is what our tyre pressures were throughout the day, or throughout the 24 hours. And on the face value of it, the um, pressures from the uh, winning 60 car that won the race were within the predetermined values by um, IMSA. Now, it appears that Honda race, uh, 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 the Honda group who made the car that uh, Shank was, was racing have audited the data, looked at the data, gone back retrospectively through it, and noticed discrepancies in the raw data that they pulled off the car and the data that was presented to IMSA. And... From what I understand, one of the engineers on the car um, uh, applied a scaling offset or some differentiating value to the raw data that was pulled from the car and to what was presented to IMSA. So the assumption there is that they were running under pressure during the race. Now, whether that was deliberate, whether that was accidental, um you know, we don't know the, the, the background of it. Uh, I believe the engineer involved there was a reasonably experienced guy. So, um, you know, a bit of, uh, obviously he didn't tell people. People were aware of this. Um, and, yeah, it's got to come back to home. And as soon as IMSA have found out about it, they've obviously done their own research. And they've come down pretty, pretty hard on them. Um, they still keep the win. Yeah, but let me but let me bit. let me ask you this though, right? So yeah. if they're they're running under inflated tires, right, or you yeah. know, somewhat, uh, you know, remind me of the Tom Brady and the yeah, I was just yeah, gonna yeah. say the Patriots right? yeah. associated with team. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> but I mean, if you if you if you go back and watch that race, right, the you know the Shankars had so much straight line speed, right? They were just class of the field, right? Mm -hmm. Is is that is that you know, deflating the tires while we're running lower tire pressures. Is that a fairly significant performance advantage? Or do you think these guys probably would have won anyway because the car was so darn good? Well, this is one of the problems. They probably would have won anyway. So it's a bit of a stupid penalty to, to, to eat. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's more the fact, I think, that it's a safety consideration. 
rather than a performance consideration. Um, you know, every team will want to push tire pressures, tire temperatures to the limit. You know, yeah. if it's just a, a you know a tenth of a psi, they still think it's an advantage, even if in reality it's it's not. Um, so, yeah, it, it's more the concept and. Probably the punishment more reflects the fact that they went about this in a slightly underhand manner. I think if they'd been up front with it at the time of the penalty, at the time, I think they'd have got away with it, or at least the penalty wouldn't be as harsh. But it, um, yeah, I think it's more the way that it went around, and they were sort of seen potentially to be sort of pulling the wool over the eyes of, um, you know, Imsa, which no. Scrutineering organization or no no team no organization that runs these series is ever going to take kindly to be made made look like fools. So <clears throat> I think that's where the penalty comes in, rather than any direct performance correlation. All right, so let me let me ask you this though. So it is uh, to me at least on the surface, right? It seems a little odd that it's it's you know Honda performance. Uh, HPD that came to IMSA with this, essentially throwing their own team under the bus, right? Um, yep. uh, and again, it's probably uh, Honda says, we want to get this out in the open before somebody else finds out about it, and then, then we look like the bad guys, and they're, Honda's trying to wash their hands of it, so I I mean, you, you think this negatively fractures the, the relationship between the Meyer Shank team and, and Honda? Because they've got mm. literally, they they've got uh, uh, you know Honda engines in the IndyCar series. They're r- running the Acuras and in this. Or uh, do you think this was maybe discussed pretty fully in the boardroom between the team and the uh, Honda and, and whatnot? And they're kind of all on the same page with it. I'd think so. Um, you know, I think there's you know H- Honda had to do what they did. You know, if they're aware of this and. You know, as you say, it comes out in the open. It's pretty damning for everybody involved. And I think the best reaction here is that they held their hands up and they've said, look, you know, we've got a problem here. Uh, let's move on, uh, you know, accept it and, you know, go go compete in Sebring at the 12 hour. So, um, yeah, it probably will cause, I mean, who knows? You know, Shank may be the ones that were, were uh, on board with it as much as anybody. Um, so... You know, we, you know, they, they take what they take and they, um, you know, go forward with it. I, I doubt there'll be too much friction there. I mean, the Myoshank organization is pretty experienced and they know how these things work. And as I say, I think by looking at the penalty, this was a, a rogue. And I'm, I, I could be completely wrong here, but, I, you know, the last thing I want to do is talk out of turn um, against the, an engineer, but I, I, I get the impression this was a rogue engineer who made a decision to try and potentially cover himself or, you know, cover the team. And, yeah, they've got to bite it and, and take the penalty there. Trophy's still in the cabinet, though. Yeah, but that guy's probably looking for work, so. But we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll, check, we'll check LinkedIn and see. So, Lee, you have any, any thoughts on this topic at all, or, or shall I, we move on? No, I mean, real quick, the tire pressure thing, from my experience, you know, a low tire pressure situation on a, on a, on any vehicle it, to include a, a, a race car it, it is not really a performance enhancing thing for me. Um, from my knowledge, low tire pressure equates to more gas being burnt because you have a bigger footprint 
for the engine to propel down the street, you know, uh, on the course. Yeah. A higher tire pressure is, you know, may it, it, you know, there's not a lot of grip on a higher tire pressure. So you may burn, you know, it's it, to me, you know, they still won the race, even with low tire pressure. They're probably, they were probably, even if they ran the right tire pressure, they were still going to win the race. They were just that, to me, they were just that dominant of a, of a team. Um, the low tire pressure, I think, you know, probably did them bad because fuel consumption goes down. I mean, I know when I run low tire pressures on my truck, my, my fuel economy goes down. So I would, I would correlate that, you know, me being not the racing engineer guy, I would equate that to be, well, the, the fuel mileage is going to go down, but again, they won the race on low tire pressure. It's a violation. They got to pay the price, you know, still got the trophy for now, still got the win. They just lost a bunch of other stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just, you know, it needed to be taken care of, but I don't, uh, you know, I really don't think it would have caused, you know, they still wouldn't run, won the race in my book. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Now, you, you're very no right. When you, you, you're right. When you say that, um, yeah. probably didn't cost them the, you know, they probably still yeah. won, but what you have uh, to remember and, and what you were saying there on the uh, is, is typically yeah. right. But what you're going to take into account here is your thermal heating of the tire. So your tire right. will start off cold. These tires aren't like Formula One in tire blankets. They go on the car cold. So yep. the, the pressure that you have at that moment in time when you install the tires is the lowest pressure it'll ever be. So throughout the run, the temperature will increase in the tire. And because the volume in the tire stays, stays the same, the um, pressure will increase. And as the pressure increases, you're reducing your contact power with the, the, the track surface. So sure, the only yeah. negative about running yeah. low pressures is you get greater yeah. tire wear at the start of the run because you have more tire surface in yeah. contact with the road. So you heat the tire up faster. And then obviously as the pressure builds, you get a smaller contact area and you're getting isolated heating on a very, very small band. So you get tire, you know, you, you wear that shoulder, typically the inside shoulder. If you're running enough camber, you'll heat that up faster now if you're in lower pressures you'll never get to a really small contact patch your contact patch is always going to be a little bit larger so you your tires won't get as hot so you won't wear as quick so you always want to run your tires in a racing world a lower pressure as possible the negative side of that is your tire starts to literally roll on the rim when you you know the, the lateral loads on these tires are so high that you can actually i've seen it pop a tire off a bead by the lateral load you put through it. So yep. that's why they put the minimum tire pressure uh, levels in there to make sure that you're not going to, you know, as you're going up the banking at Daytona, pulling I don't know, three, four G possibly laterally, um, you know, you're not going to roll the tire off the rim at low pressure. So yep. you really, really, you always want to, you know, run a lower pressure as possible. And, you know, Frank, you know, if you followed NASCAR over the years, you know. Oh, yeah, we've seen, we've seen a lot in NASCAR. These guys underinflate the tires and then they the blame the tires. And then they blame Goodyear for giving them a crap tire. Yeah. In, <laughs> in, yeah. in some racing series, yeah. you can actually have, you are allowed to run valve stems that lead pressure, that bleed pressure out to maintain a certain lower tire pressure. 
Uh, NASCAR, that's forbidden, although teams over the years have, have come up with some ways around it by poking holes in the side of the tyres, for example, to, to you know bleed the pressures out. So you always want to try and get that. And then they were just pushing the envelope, I'm sure. And, you know, maybe it was an honest mistake. Uh, maybe it was just a, you know, a guy trying to cover himself. Who knows? But, yeah, not a, not a great look for the team. No, Agreed. no, not at all. So, And I think if this had been discovered in scrutineering post-race, they would have lost the win. I think the reason they've kept the win is because of that time period. Because of, yeah, because it's been yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been more than a month. So yeah, All right, well let, let's let's move on. Let's talk about Formula One. Formula One had their season opener in Bahrain, uh, and and again, like we talked about it last week, we should just not try to pick the winner because it's going to be Verstappen every week, <laughs> and we should try to pick who finishes yeah. second. So and um, we well we weren't wrong for the win there, but. Uh, and uh, it was Red Bull one two. As a matter of fact, and we had talked about, um, uh, you know, Perez uh, Checo uh, trying to to make the most of it, seeing as how Red Bull said this car is a little better suited for him. But it was it was the guy in third place making all the headlines. Fernando Alonso has uh, joined the Aston Martin team, who's typically been, you know, a mid to backfield running team and then here they are i mean i, I want to say alonzo was fastest in uh uh the opening practice session um qualified well uh ended up on the podium and then his teammate lance stroll who's driving injured with broken fingers came home with the points finish as well so here's probably you know most improved team of the year austin oh, yeah. martin um and it you know it's, it's got to be some engineering but you, you got to give uh Alonzo, a little credit for that. It seems like uh, a lot of places that he's gone to, and he's been with nearly every team on the grid by now, <laughs> um, he makes them a little better. So, yeah. uh, so Richard, what were your impressions of uh, uh, the, the Grand Prix down in Bahrain? Well, I think, Frank, you'll remember this, I don't, but I think we're getting, uh, you know, deja vu of 1988 here, uh, potentially with McLaren dominance in, in 88. Um you know, it does look, I mean, one, one race into a 20, whatever it is, 22 race season now. But it looks pretty ominous that, you know, Red Bull could run the tables here. And I don't think anybody was surprised. And taking a step away from, you know, necessarily reviewing Bahrain, this is one of the issues you have with the cost cap. You know, where a Ferrari, where I'm saying you're going to find the budget to overhaul Red Bull? You know, each. Every tenth of a second out there has a cost, you know, and, and the teams will know it. You know, the teams will turn around and say, OK, we need to find three tenths of a second of that. Well, that's $15 million or whatever it may be. Well, where's that money going to come from with the budget cap? You know, so it it's the budget cap's not always a great thing in terms of improving the quality of the racing, just purely by the dynamics of how car development works. Um, unless you can find something cheap, you're just really sort of going through the going through the motions. Um, but uh, we'll see how that plays out over the rest of the season. But jumping back into uh, the, the, ra- the race weekend we just saw, it was a Red Bull masterclass. You know, reliability was 100%. Drivers all seemed hooked up and tuned into the cars really, really well. Um, you know, Checker, I think, was a little bit closer probably the, to, to Max than he had been in the past. So maybe the car does suit him a little bit better. Um, still, I think Max has got two or three tenths of a second a lap in his pocket oh. at, at a, you know, drop of a hat. Um, 
Ferraris were poor, Mercedes were poor, uh, and Aston Martin was the real standout of that yeah. mid-pack. They, 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 McLaren, uh, McLaren was horrible. McLaren struggled. I think yep. I, I, I think Lando Norris's race, um, I think the car was actually more competitive than they anticipated. They were. I think they were worried about not getting out of Q1, um, but they, they come to made it into Q2 there. Um, and I, I don't think the pace was, te- was terrible. Lander just had a pneumatic leak, and he, I think he had to stop six times or something throughout the race to keep his air pressures topped up. Um, yep. So that, that sort of mastered it. And then Oscar Piastri did okay. Nothing outstanding there. He qualified in the same spot that Daniel Ricciardo qualified last year. So, you know, is there any, anything amazing coming out of that? Probably not. Uh, and he had a technical issue early in the race. I think it was, by sounds of things, it was such a wiring issue in the steering column, which is, uh, is never good, you know. That sort of stuff should never change year on year massively. So to have a failure like that is is is, is not a great yeah. look. Um, the Alpha Tauri team was poor. You know they were they were at the back uh, with De Vries and Sonoda. Um, the Haas team, although Hulkenberg had a great qualifying session to get in the top ten, they looked really poor during the race. And again, a lot of people, you know, a lot of the the feedback on that was tire management, which again is something they've struggled with in the past. Um, you know, Williams looked a lot more competitive, I think, than we we anticipated. Yeah, William, um, Williams looked pretty good. Our our American yeah, for, uh, rookie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, fin- finished twelfth. I mean, for that's respectable for a first of, Grand Prix. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. Within ten seconds of Albon over a race distance was pretty good. Obviously, Albon being the better driver probably also got the benefit of the good strategy call. So maybe a couple of seconds in there as well on raw pace. Um, you know, Albon sort of game there but you know typical Albon you know defensive drive uh, you know you, you look back to Miami last year for a similar result where he took a car probably a 13th 14th place car maybe a 15th place car and got it into the top 10 by just a really really solid you know good good experience yeah. drive which is exactly what a team like Williams need right now um, you know Valtteri Bottas got some points mm. there um, but yeah the yeah. Martin are obviously the, the, the talk of the town that week um, you do. There's a lot of questions, and I think Sergio Perez made a a little underhand comment and said, you know, last year's Red Bull is still better than everybody else. You know, implying that Aston Martin is a is a pretty strong copy of, of Red Bull's aero package from last year. Which, you know, we've seen that in the past from the organisation when they 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 a couple of years ago they bought out what looked like a Mercedes carbon copy print, um, and you know. In all fairness, Lawrence Stroll isn't stupid. You know, he knows how to make money and make money quickly. And if he sees a car that's quick, he'll say, well, build one of those, you know. And there has been a lot of recruitment from Aston Martin, a pretty high high level engineering recruitment um, and on the technical director side of things. So, yeah, those, you know, people will naturally bring in those resources and that knowledge and that way of working and that design philosophy. Um that will make you competitive. So no, not a not a huge surprise there. And obviously, with you know Alonso as a driver, you know what you're going to get from him. You know, you know what you're going to get from a guy like Alonso. And you know, he showed his class. He showed how good he is. It's fascinating listening to Alonso on the radio. You know, they were making comments during the race that you know, twenty, um, you know, twenty five percent of his time he spends racing. You know, seventy five percent of the time he's thinking about the actual race as well. So. Yeah, it's 
it's great to watch. I love watching him. You know, he's so in tune with not just his car, but everything else that's going on around him. He was asking how Stroll was getting on throughout the race. Um, they, they didn't mention to, to Alonso that uh, it was Stroll that almost took him out of the race at the Turn 4 incident, um, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was quite amusing. Yeah, we're looking into that one, Fernando. And all throughout the race, he was like, who hit me? Who hit me? You know, 50 laps into the race, he was still asking who hit him on lap one. Uh, so it's like, you know, I'm sure he learned pretty quick yeah. after the race who it was. But, uh, you know, that's all good fun. And, uh, yeah, we'll we're going to an off weekend. And then we're we're still in the Middle East, uh, in in Saudi Arabia at uh, you know the high speed uh, street circuit of Jeddah. So we'll we'll see what uh, see what that brings us. Yeah, Jeddah's always a fun one. Yeah. So Lee, you have some impressions on the Formula One race before uh, I've got another Formula One story I want to get into, but I want to see uh, you know what you've got uh, just here from the race. Sure, I thought the race was really good. Um, Alonso, uh, very impressive, and I think. Post-race, it was even more impressive. I noticed something with Alonzo after this race, and maybe it's just being with Aston Martin, but he, his attitude has changed. A l- not a lot, but a little. I, it's changed. Um, you know, typically to me, Alonzo, if you asked him, you know, well, do you have a chance at winning, you know, at Jetta next, you know, next race? Typical old Alonzo would have, you know, really been like, well, you know, the Red Bull cars are tough to beat. We're going to give it a hundred percent. You know, we'll try to get there this week. They asked him the question. He said, you know, what are your chances of winning a jar the next, uh, you know, next race? He's like, oh yeah, we can do it. So his like, he, he's kind of gone from eh, to a lot more positivity. And I don't know if that's because of the, of Aston Martin behind him and the team that he's got, but he definitely, I noticed the chain. I mean, I've, I'm not a huge F1 guy, but I've, you know, Alonso's, you know, he's a talk of the, of the F1 and I've, I've seen post-race interviews and it just, he always just seemed kind of blah, but this week he, he seemed very upbeat and was positive about it. Um, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, you, you, I look at when the last two years when Seb Vettel was there, he yeah. had a similar approach and demeanor as well. You know, you're out of that pressure cooker of a Ferrari environment and, you know, I'm sure Aston Martin is a lot more laid back. And also, I think Aston Martin relies on its drivers a lot more, especially the experienced drivers, to help lead yeah. the ship. Whereas, you know, Ferrari, where Seb was, and uh, Alpine, where Aston Martin, where, where Alonso was, uh, you know, it's probably a bit more of a pressure cooker environment. And, you know, there's a lot of egos there on the technical side. Whereas, you know, Aston Martin, maybe it's a little bit different. And they yeah. say, hey, you tell us what you want. And it's, it's more driver led than it is engineering um, led engineer or ego led, should we say? And, sure. you know, I think that uh, both Seb and, you know, cause I thought it, it, it's a, it's a shame in a way yeah, that yeah. Seb isn't, isn't out there still, because I think I still think he's a, a top, top driver even now, but his demeanor last year, I thought was great. You know, his attitude and the way he, he presented himself, um, you know, he, he'd grown oh. into that role really, really well. Um, I think it's something you're going to see from Fernando this year as well. Uh, and I think it's going to make him a better driver because it's, yep. you know, it suits his sort of mentality. So it's going to be a fascinating year behind Red Bull. I, I don't think for a minute that they're going to win in Jeddah. I think no. that's... that's um, <laughs> no. You know, that's <laughs> Unless Max and Checo take one another out. Yeah, yeah, which I don't yeah, think is going so, to happen. Yeah. Yep. Again, 1988 all over again. 
Yeah. And so speaking of 88, so uh, like everybody said, you know, all oh, Aston Martin is, car is carbon copy and Red Bull, which yeah. I completely agree with. I mean, you look at now, you know, eight, nine years ago, Ford was the dominant brand in NASCAR. Every every car company was chasing Ford. Like they were doing everything to try to get on Ford's level because Ford just they could not win. They could not lose a race. And, you know, Chevy was dumping tons of money to try to stay in it, you know, to be competitive against the Fords. And it's, I, I think it's the same thing, you know, these, you know, Aston Martin and, you know, all these teams in F1, they see how good Red Bull is and they're going to start carbon copying, you know, Red Bull. They're going to just be like, well, that's yeah. the winning solution. Might as well go do what they're doing. And because it's just, it's the ebb and flow of racing. A team gets that advantage. And everybody else wants a piece of that cookie. We got to do what they're doing. They're winning pieces, a lot of them. We got to go. We got to get there. And I, you know, I just, you know, Red Bull this year, they're just, uh, you know, are they going to win every race? It, there's a possibility. I don't think, yeah. you know, mathematically, the odds are terribly against them. But possibility could be there, worth a so. little, uh, little, little flutter on it right now. Yeah. But but you but you, there's there's more to it than that, you know, because. They have so much information now on competitors' cars. You know, the FAA yeah. have really been trying to open this. So the teams actually have to present their cars in pit lane pre-race. And yeah. everybody can walk up and down. All the other teams can walk up and down. Photo photographers can get yeah. photographs of everything. And now, twice a year, I think it's twice a year, each engine manufacturer in Formula 1 has to give like a 30-minute show and tell on how their engine works, which is unheard of in Formula 1 going back a few years. But it's it's more than that. You know, be, for the last 10 years, you've had digital photography, which is so good that you can take a photograph of another car on a track and you can create a model of that in your CFD program within hours, you know, to the to the millimeter accuracy and precision. So you the, all these teams know exactly what all the other teams are doing. But where the level is at Formula One, where it works, it's, it's not so much what your car looks like, it's how it works. And everything is so integrated you couldn't take a front wing off a red bull and put it onto a mercedes and expect it to be a second a lap faster it would probably be three seconds a lap slower because yeah. of the way yep. the air you know the, the front wing contorts the aero flow over the rest of the car you know the front wing it develops a little bit of downforce but it's not its main purpose and yeah. everything has to be integrated and, and work together now Design philosophies can certainly work, like the sculpted side pods and the channels that you're now seeing down the side of the side pods and the, the slightly more bulbous engine covers to help packaging and cooling through the rear of the car. But you, you know you can't just run a photocopier through these things. And, and that's where I think Aston Martin have stepped up because they haven't just copied the Red Bull. And I think there's more to it than that. I think if you look at the rear end, it's very Mercedes-like, which isn't a surprise because they have Mercedes engine and gearbox. Um, it's how that works. It's how you set the car up. It's how you, you know, what toe you run, what camber, what caster, what damper settings, what ride height. You know, there's so many things you can vary on these cars that, you know, you can you can completely screw your race weekend by getting one of those things wrong, even if your car is the most aerodynamically efficient package out there. So, yeah, a lot of people are, are making the quick. So, oh, look, they've copied that, but it's it's the people that they've hired which say okay this is the window that the car operates in now 
this is how we have to set the car up and understanding how the drivers like the car because Max, Red Bull is a prime example. Max is a very rear end happy driver. He likes the rear end, the slide. He likes to break, re- you know, have a lot of front. That, that almost sounds dirty, man. <laughs> <laughs> Family oh, show? But, I don't know. <laughs> but he likes, you know, he likes the car very pointy, whereas Checo doesn't. But of course, yep. Red Bull are going to build a car and set it up around their best driver. And, you know, uh, you see that, you know, if you copy a car, is the driver going to react to it in the same way that he would a car that maybe he's more suited to driving? So it's a lot more than just copying a car, but they make cheap headlines, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the other the other Formula One story I wanted to touch on before we move on and talk about uh, Chase Elliott and this uh, NASCAR uh uh, race we had behind us was uh there's like uh one of these um oh tobacco watchdog groups right called stop and then another advocacy group called formula money that seemed to be very upset with netflix uh because they said netflix is in essence advertising cigarettes and giving tons of tons of cigarette advertising time with uh, the drive to survive now i mean if you ask me right okay so the what is banned right tobacco products right so what is bat and philip morris advertising nicotine pouches and vape right two products that don't even contain tobacco right but i think these guys are just upset because uh, the money's going to the tobacco company you know, or the, the these products coming from the tobacco company. So it's really, I have a hard time kind of understanding what they're upset about other than the fact they just hate tobacco companies and then they don't like to see them getting their name out there. But I mean, my God, Philip Morris owned Kraft for a while, right? So if we put yeah. macaroni and cheese on the car, right? Would that be, oh, here now we're supporting. That's probably just as bad for your health. Yeah, well, I, I like I like Kraft Mac and Cheese. Just saying, but yeah, I'm just like it's just uh, of all the silly things for me to read today. I'm like, okay, well, you know, if they were really circumventing the rules, uh, somebody would do something about it, and they they did actually put a little stop to uh, the the Mission Winnow or whatever they yeah, called it now. on Mission yeah. Win Now, yeah, just Mission Win Now, which was essentially Marlboro, but they they yeah. kind of. Uh, you know, put the kibosh on that, but now they've, uh, you know, they're they're advertising the you know the nicotine pouch and views, right? Whoever that's uh, BAT, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I mean, if they want to legislate this stuff out, uh, go ahead and legislate it out. But until they do, they're not breaking any rules, right? I, yeah. I mean, I mean, on the next the ne- the next thing you're going to see because we've also already got like you know CBD oil companies racing, right? The next thing is just going to be legalized marijuana, right? Okay, so I mean, look at the three chai car. Exactly, yeah. That's 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 what I'm talking about. Three chai is a it's a marijuana it's a it's a cannabis company, and they're running prime sponsorship on a NASCAR. Like, Mm -hmm. I it it, oh we got to yell and scream about tobacco, you know, Winston Winston Noble and all this stuff. You know, tobacco companies got forced out of NASCAR, you know, ten fifteen years ago. But yet you can run a three chai as a prime sponsor on a car. That's it. Yeah. Like, okay. Cause it's not, it's not been legislated out yet. There's no, no it's still know, illegal. I, I mean, I mean, the thing is the really, I mean, if you really examine the uh, 
what they call the master tobacco settlement. It wasn't legislated out so much as the big tobacco companies agreed to stop uh, funneling money into uh, sports sponsorships in exchange yep. for protection from class action lawsuits. Yep. So that that's kind of how it reads. But uh, yeah. you know why why be mad at Netflix and say Netflix is advertising cigarettes? Because you know what I haven't seen a single guy you know fire up a, a, a smoke on a drive to survive yet. They should be worried about all the cursing they do on there. <laughs> you want to want to random <laughs> random piece of trivia? So. 16, 17 years ago, I, I broke my leg pretty badly and I was in hospital for, for a couple of weeks getting it all fixed. And there was a, I think the guy was like in his early 90s, so he's probably no longer with us, unfortunately, um, in, in one of the, the beds on the same ward as me. And we got talking. Fascinating guy. And back in the 70s, 60s and 70s, he worked for John Player, JPS. And he was the marketing director and he got the black and gold livery on the Lotus cars. He negotiated all that. Nice. So he Colin Chapman nice. and Graham Hill and all these guys back in the day. Um, and he was the first person to ever get major brand sponsorship on a Formula One car. And it's like, this is a fascinating guy to talk to. He really was. He was he was in his early 90s, but still sharp as a tack. And we had some great conversations in those two weeks. I mean, there's nothing else for us to do. But um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you said, so you broke your leg. But speaking of broken legs, that's a nice, that's a nice segue. That. It's a oh. nice segue talking about uh, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott, one of the championship favorites. Um, not anymore. Uh, not anymore. Well, I never know. I mean, yeah. how, how many how many races did Kyle Busch miss with he his broken legs? Year, still, yeah, uh, eleven or twelve, right? Eleven or twelve races. So Chase Elliott's going to be out six weeks. Broke his leg. Was he? What was he? Snowboarding or? or uh, something, yeah, snowboarding. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now the question is, uh, you know, does he get a waiver? Now, first off, who's filling in for him? Josh Berry is going to take all the oval races, and it'll be Jordan Taylor uh, at Coda. And I'm kind of excited about that. I like Jordan Taylor. I like all the Taylors, you know, Wayne and Jordan. I like that whole yeah. family uh, as drivers, and I, I like their race team. So I'm really interested to see how uh, Jordan Taylor does in a, uh, you know, top tier NASCAR team at Coda. I think that's, he's got be, a lot. I mean, he's going to be what, fun to won, watch. Yeah. 2017 Rolex 24 with Jeff Gordon. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like he's, the, he's, he's got a ton he's of sports drive. car wins. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, it's ironic because he, he's been announced as the driver coach for the, um, you know, garage 56 project. And he's like, how can I drive a coach? Jensen Button, Jimmy Johnson, and uh, is it Matt Rockenfeld, <laughs> the other guy? Yeah. You know, yeah. I think Kimi Raikkonen is like, coming back to another one. Kimi Raikkonen is doing a Coda as well in the Coda series. With, yeah. Um, I can't who it was with now. Uh, the 91 car. Is that the track house entry again? Uh, um, I, yeah, I believe so. The Project 91. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Kimi's coming back, which is great. You know, going to a circuit that he knows. <laughs> I, I'm excited to expect some pretty good things from Kimmy. Uh, I think this could be a – he could turn some heads this uh, at Coda. Um, yep. This coming, Certainly, you know, yeah. Whatever it is. yeah. So, but we were talking about Chase Elliott. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, does he get the waiver, right? So, what's the what's the precedent, right? So, uh, you know, and Richard, I know your thoughts on this, and I, I, I'm, I'm rather aligned with you, right? If he yep. got injured in a NASCAR race like Kyle Busch did, absolutely yep. he should have the waiver right now Kurt Busch was given a waiver when he was suspended by NASCAR for some uh 
off track stuff with the crazy ex wife, uh, and it turned out that he was when he once I mean, he the was, assassin. The assassin. She's yeah, she claimed to be a CIA, but once he was kind of exonerated of that, uh, it turned out that he wasn't, you know, a, an abusive spouse or whatever. Um, they gave him the waiver. Uh, so and again, that was because NASCAR suspended him. But but if we look back, to, didn't Tony Stewart get a waiver? When he yeah, flipped the dune buggy, yep. Yeah. So he was not, you know, uh, doing anything, you know, sanctioned by NASCAR. He was just on his own, and um, so that's the precedent. If they gave Tony a waiver for that, they should give Chase the waiver, right? But yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't. Know. That's I mean, because you want to be consistent. But I, I personally. I, I don't feel that they they should, but uh, no, uh, they've got to be consistent one with the other. So I so uh, I you know Richard and I both think that I I don't think that he should get a waiver. He probably will. Uh, number one, he's their golden boy, right? He's you know. Yep. But uh, Lee, what are your thoughts? So I I'm I'm in the same pool as you guys. I don't think he should get a waiver. Um, you know, you talked about precedents and you know past drivers you know, getting waivers for off-track incidents that weren't involved with the sport. Those are precedences, but when do you stop? When does the precedence change? You know, at some point, you know, we have, there has to be a change to the, to the changing of the guard. And is, mm-hmm. unfortunately, is Chase Elliott going to be that one that forces NASCAR to change the policy on the waivers it, for, you know, injuries sustained on unofficial yeah. events? Yeah, I, well, did, didn't well, somebody get did, didn't somebody get a waiver for uh, just like general illness or had to get a surgery? The COVID's or, been a you know during the COVID yeah season, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so and then that's, COVID's been uh, that's one I think thing, a medical right? issue. Yeah. Now, I don't know if Brian Vickers ever got a. That's what I. That's who I was yep, thinking. Brian Vickers, yep. yeah. Yep. You but know, I, I don't think Vic, Vickers ever was, made uh, the. No, just, he never made the playoffs. But I think it's a, you know, and also this year now with 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 them having removed that um, top thirty yeah. playoffs, that top thirty, you know, Chase comes back, he wins a race, he's in the playoffs. End of story. Which is fine because those are the rules. But you know, it, it, it's one thing that frustrates me a little bit with any professional athlete. You know, professional athletes across the board have fundamentally so few responsibilities compared to you and I. You know, they've got people doing everything for them they could ever imagine. You know, they eat, sleep and piss with somebody telling them when to do it. And, you know, you've got to take responsibility for it. You've got to take responsibility for your actions. And you've got to know that you're letting your sponsors down, you're letting your team down. Just think about everybody on that team that goes, that works their asses off every week for that nine car. And, you know, they've probably got performance-related bonuses. And because this kid can't stay on a snowboard... They've they're going to be financially hit right now. Yeah, they're, they're not, not going like to get Chase. the same results out of a Josh Berry that no. they are out of a Chase Elliott. You know, yeah. There's no disrespect yeah. to that guy, but you know, in in ten years' time, he's not. You know, oh yeah, well I missed five races and I lost a million dollars. Okay, well that's not going to be an issue to it. But the guy who's paying his mortgage and the guy who's got three kids who's putting through elementary school or whatever, he loses a couple of dollars or a thousand dollars here and there because of some clause in his contract based on driver performance. Yeah, it is going to be an issue for him. And it, it does frustrate me when drivers go off and do And any athlete goes and does this. You know, it's like when, years ago, there was a professional uh, soccer player in the UK who missed a drugs test and got suspended and complained. Well, you, you, you haven't got <laughs> yeah. much responsibility, you know, and, and th- there's got to be a price for it. And, you know, I'm not saying 
ban these guys from doing these things, but they've got to know that if you go off snowboarding or dirt bike riding or whatever, yeah. you know, or, you're going to pay the price you know, Conversely, you've got, you know, Professor Lyle, who was the guy that blew his fingers off lighting off fireworks, right? Plexiglass yeah. 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 So yeah, pay somebody to light your fireworks for you. Exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, or, or the guy that's, uh, you know, some of these professional athletes or, or actors or celebrities that get uh, pulled over drunk driving. I mean, you've got the money. Yeah. Get you have yourself chauffeured around. I mean, you've got a yep. public persona too. Um, exactly. So, so yeah. anyway, anyway. So speaking of gonna... speaking yeah. of, so we are out of time. So we are. We have to do a green white checker here. So uh, <laughs> we have overtime. So, but speaking of green white checker, we need to mention the Vegas race, which did end in a green white checker after yeah. a long time, a rather uneventful race, right up to the end there. But uh, but at the end of the day, it was a um, Hendrick one two three. Yep. Uh, with uh, was it uh, and twenty seven. And twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. one two three and twenty seven. Yeah. So yeah. Sorry. What's it? Uh, By- Byron one. See Byron and Bowman. I always mix with guys. I think it's Byron. Byron, one. Byron Larson yep. Bowman. So uh, good yeah. for them. We were talking about uh, how they seem a little off the pace. Uh, uh, Daytona and whatnot, but but here they are, right back to their winning race, w- winning ways. Too bad they didn't have Chase Elliott there; it could have been a one, two, three, four. But that's that. So <laughs> we're off to is it uh, Phoenix, Phoenix next, right? Phoenix yep. next. So Lee, who do you like? Low downforce Phoenix? package as well. Yeah, I, got, I, I got a new it, new low downforce package. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, yeah, that should be interesting. I think. I, I mean, you talk, you say Phoenix, and the only driver that really comes to mind in Phoenix is Harvick. Like, he owns that. Yeah, place. I was going to say. Like, yeah. When he retires this year, they're just going to change it from PIR to like Harvick, Harvick International Raceway. Harvick, Harvick Playground, yeah. Yeah. Like so. he owns that joint. Like, I mean, yeah. just like the Bushes own Vegas. I mean, it's, it's Harvick's, it's Harvick's track. So, yeah, if I don't right, pick Harvick, so, I'm, yeah. There you go. So I'll pick, Huh? I'll pick uh, Martin Truex. Uh, just, just so because he, uh, he ran really well at Vegas. He just had a little, yeah, little problem there at the end there and uh, whatnot. So anyway, so we are out of time. We're we're overtime actually. So uh, I want to thank you, Lee. I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank Keith Hayes for producing us. I want to thank YouTube. I want to thank Forza Motorsports, uh, Google Podcasts. Um, Apple podcast uh, and uh, all you folks that watch us every week, but until next week, good night. Next week, big show coming up. We've got uh, Stefan Wilson uh, out of the IndyCar series and uh, his team owner, uh, Don Cusick. So you'll certainly want to tune in for that one. Uh, those are two really interesting guys that, uh, that you want to hear from. So anyway, so now I'm well into overtime. So, so now I will say good night and thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thanks for watching Drafting the Circuits. Make sure to follow Drafting the Circuits on Facebook, Spotify, Twitter, and YouTube. Drafting the Circuits is a Coach Sinister One production.